Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Gobeski Wallace Report. My name is Charlie Wallace. I'm Adam Gobeski, and we have with us two first-class guests. Can I say that, or does that sound too pretentious? No, you can. You can say it. That's yeah. All right, we have uh, Paul Wilcox. It's great to be on, and uh, Douglas Gobeski. I'm excited to be here as usual. So uh, today is, of course, a very special day. Uh, the day that we were supposed to watch Captain America. What? No. <laughs> <laughs> That's what you told me to say at the end of the last Merry Marvel Movie March episode. So the uh, one time I announced the movie, I was wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Except in the previous episode, you definitely say it's X-Men First Class. So I do? Yes. Oh, well, why did I think we were going to watch Captain <laughs> Captain America? Because the brain don't previously work? said X-Men First Class. So the next movie was clearly Captain America. Your real failure was in not recording a podcast for X-Men First Class in between those two. In between those two thoughts. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So this is the 33rd installment of our Merry Marvel Movie March. We have just watched the 2011 film X-Men First Class, which I'm guessing now that I confused with Captain America, the first adventure simply because of the word first. I only listened to one word that I was saying at the end of the last episode. But yes, X-Men First Class is a prequel to the X-Men series, our, I guess, second prequel. So this prequel predates the other prequel, so it's a prequel to the prequel. Wait, hold on. What's the other prequel? X-Men Origins Wolverine. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah, so um, as I said, this is a prequel detailing the um, adventures of one Dennis X-Man who, as you may know, is first in line to inherit the X-Mansion. And so this movie is about his airplane trip across the country to go to the X-Mansion, where he gets upgraded to first class. (laughs) That's the name of the movie. (laughs) And so it's all about the uh, adventures and shenanigans that happen up in first class. I hear it gets crazy up there. It does. So, Charlie, what was your favorite part? about the uh the airplane scene the uh the striptease or was it the tiger chase um i think the transition between the two from the striptease to the tiger chase was handled very really? in a very clever way yes oh so you just thought that the 45 minutes of watching dennis napping was handled well that was good for you well yeah it helped me feel relaxed after that striptease i really needed needed a break <laughs> so did dennis yes of course that iconic line this is making me tired (laughs) i love that line wait did you say tired or tigered (laughs) no no tired tigered's the later uh, line oh it's the callback line that's right where the stewardess says did you say you wanted a tiger hijinks ensue just a miscommunication good thing they have had one at the ready (laughs) Well, that's why they had that whole circus set up at the beginning of the movie, right? Mm. About how the Siegfried and Roy knockoffs were flying their their tiger first class. <laughs> but don't worry, it was going to be sedated. Wow. What a movie. <laughs> where do we begin? I mean, besides where we already did. <laughs> so yes, X-Men First Class is the first of the X-Men movies to have a new cast playing familiar characters including james mcavoy as charles xavier michael fassbender as magneto and jennifer lawrence as mystique so this movie is set in 1962 shortly before i guess the uh, cuban missile crisis and basically sebastian shaw a mutant played by kevin bacon is trying to create the conditions for a nuclear war with the goal of creating more mutants because the mutations are apparently triggered by radiation. And so it's up to Charles Xavier and his team of new mutants, half of whom we'll never see again, to save the the world from nuclear hellfire. But was the radiation supposed to kill off the humans, or was it supposed to mutate them? Uh, I think it was just supposed to create the conditions for making more mutants, and if the humans died, well, too bad, because, you know, they're... Not homo superior. No, I thought they were intentionally trying to genocide the humans. It was part of Kevin Bacon's plan. Uh, maybe. I kind of zoned out 
here and there while he was talking. So. I mean, it's kind of not a very well thought out plan, I don't think. <laughs> of course, all mutants are immune to <laughs> atomic bombs. Yeah, there's that's yeah. that's well known. <laughs> so the uh, the production history of this, uh, we talked a little bit during the X Men Origins Wolverine episode about how they were at one point going to do an X-Men Origins Magneto movie. I speculated then that X-Men Origins Magneto, part of that storyline, got folded into this one, and that is apparently correct. That's why a guy named Sheldon Turner gets a story-by credit, because he was the person working on the Magneto movie. Uh, The reason why it's called First Class is because there was an X-Men comic book series at the time called First Class, and Simon Kinberg a name that we've heard before and we will definitely hear more of for further X-Men movies, apparently wanted to adapt First Class, but did not actually want to adapt First Class because he thought it was too like similar to like a John Hughes movie. Mm. So I guess he just wanted maybe the very general framework. But um, apparently at one point in 2007, they were going to have David S. Goyer direct this film, mm. demonstrating that they had learned nothing from Blade Trinity. So I think my theory at one point about like Hollywood suits just saying, no one knows anything about comic books. Let's give them to the three people who've shown they know anything at all, even though they make terrible movies. That's my best guess for why people saw Blade Trinity and were like, yeah, give us get us that guy over here. Um, but that fell through, and uh, so they got uh, Matthew Vaughn instead, who was interested in doing it because at one point he'd been attached to X-Men Last Stand, and uh, then he was going to do Thor at one point, and so he had this feeling of like, oh, well, I should really do a Marvel movie. So he did, and so we got First Class. That's the, that's the sort of encapsulated brief version. So I think you know what I'm going to ask next. Have we seen this movie before? Correct. Charlie, have you seen this movie before? I had not seen this movie before. I remember it coming out and actually being somewhat intrigued by it. Mostly just doing the doing a prequel in this time period, I thought was sort of an interesting idea. Yet somehow it just never came about. Again, I was kind of outside of Adam's sphere of influence at this point. Hmm. All right. When did this movie come out versus what podcast episode were we on? <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, this is early stuff. Probably would have been around the time of like Go Bob and Snow Job or Pirates of North Carolina. Ooh, wow! So yeah, I, I, so I guess you're you're right. You were outside my sphere of influence. Wow, these are so old that you still have MP3 written in parentheses after the episode titles to let people know that they're MP3 files. <laughs> <laughs> what? You always want people to know what they're clicking on, Adam. I know. But like the idea that there would be podcasts <laughs> that weren't MP3. Good old Vorbis. <laughs> yeah. These are the lossless uh, podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> yes. yes. Download this 500 megabyte one hour podcast in the FLAC format. <laughs> Ooh, 44 kilohertz. <laughs> Come here. Every hiss, click, I, I and pop. I need the vinyl rip of this. (laughs) (laughs) How about you, Paul? Had you seen this before? Uh, No, I had not. Um, Wow. In fact, I didn't really know much of anything about it either. Just just going in fairly blind. The only thing I knew that I had heard about it was that it takes place in the 60s. And that was my only information. No preconceptions. I saw it in theaters. And then I saw it when we got the Blu-ray on sale at some point. And then I don't think I'd watched it since. So there was a lot of this that I kind of remembered, but didn't really. So uh, much like Charlie, at this point, I was out of Adam's sphere of influence. So Really? uh, Yeah. 2010. Like September. So the last movie we saw together was Iron Man 2. Oh, that's why you didn't see Thor. Yeah, I didn't see Thor. I didn't see X-Men First Class in theaters. So actually... Did you see Captain America 3, the first Avenger? Uh, yes. <laughs> I was Wait. I was on vacation. <laughs> so I saw that one at, uh, at a... Look, we'll, we'll, no spoilers. We'll get to that next time. So this movie I actually saw in 2014 because there was a special uh, where it was like, buy the DVD 
and you get a free movie ticket to go see Days of Future Past. So I was like, oh, okay. For less than the price of a normal ticket, I can get a DVD and go see a movie. Sure. Wow. Nice. Wow, that's yeah. a killer deal. Yeah. So the movie opens in uh, Poland, 1944, in a uh, near uh, recreation of the opening of the original X-Men movie. I actually did double check, and some of the shots do appear to be reused. Like some of the footage is identical between the two. Uh, basically anything where you can see the, the, either the kid's face or the mom's face, they reshot cause it's, you know, new actors cause it's 11 years later. So what'd you, uh, what'd you think of the finding out what happened after that initial scene? Yeah, it was crazy because I didn't remember that that was a scene from a movie we'd already seen. And I was like, I know I haven't seen this movie. How have I seen this before? Did I watch the first like three minutes of this movie and turn it off? Another movie that the car just shut off on you. <laughs> it could very well be. Stop watching those superhero films. Especially X-Men. No X-Men in this house. <laughs> they ruined Ryan Reynolds. Ruined him. <laughs> he had to go do Green Lantern instead. Yeah, so so Green Lantern was two weeks after X-Men First Class. Oh. <laughs> oh. I do actually think that's part of why Green Lantern gets more abuse than I think it deserves is because it's like the third superhero movie, third or fourth superhero. And it's like the span of like as many months. And so I think people are just like, oh, my gosh, we've seen this. Yeah. Except uh, how do you explain why people like Captain America, the first Avenger? That one that one should, you know, having come out late last in the sequence, right, should be the worst. I guess it's just uh, Disney paying people off in preparation for their purchase of uh, the Marvel Marvel people. <laughs> They're like, we better get this good press in ahead of time. So I, for one, uh, enjoyed the what I assume are terrible German accents because I could actually understand like 95 percent of what they were saying. It's true. Like like without like if you had just gotten rid of the subtitles, I still would have understood you know, basically everything they were saying, which in reality yeah. was pretty funny. I did initially think like, is that Kevin Bacon? Like, why are they getting Kevin Bacon to do a German accent? <laughs> I'm I, I'm hoping that goes away pretty soon, and it did. <laughs> I almost didn't believe it was him because I thought it was a weird choice. Why? You don't think much Kevin Bacon is what I'm hearing. <laughs> I've never seen Kevin Bacon do an accent, I don't think. It's always just been, here's Kevin Bacon doing his thing. Well, I mean, you've got like American bacon and English bacon, but you never hear about German bacon. So, you know. <laughs> German bacon. Canadian bacon, right? Yeah, yeah. Bauchspeck. <laughs> Kevin oh, Bauchspeck. <laughs> Bauchspeck. Sounds like that's like what the stomach something cured with salt, cold smoked with beechwood and air dried. Anyway, so back to the opening credits. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess there weren't any. There was just a little splash of the coin, the X first class coin here. That's a real collector's item. Really? Yeah, because it's got the X first class on one side and on the other side, it's a Reichsmark. Uh, real good so emotional right. item it's really in demand right now for some <laughs> <laughs> oh for some reason really we never thought we'd have to worry about yeah, it's really good it's mm. got got a lot of crossover mm. appeal <laughs> mm. for collectors for for collectors who completely missed the entire point of x-men <laughs> <laughs> they watch this movie and they're like, yeah, that Kevin Bacon's got the right idea. <laughs> well, it's Kevin Bacon. He's always the hero. <laughs> Actually, I can't think of another movie offhand in which Kevin Bacon's the villain. I mean, I guess he's the villain in Footloose, right? But <laughs> That's true. And he wins. The bad guys win in that one. Well, he's the reason that the town has forced to bring back dancing, right? So just think of all the teenagers that died driving to go dance after that right countless oh. teenagers wow. think of how, think of wow. how it's just like mad max <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh is mad max a sequel <laughs> i think strictly speaking it's a prequel 
or I guess Footloose is a prequel to it. There, that's the right word. Okay. Yeah, that generally is what a sequel is. Yeah. Well, no, because Mad Max came out first. Oh, so Footloose oh, would have I, to okay, be a prequel to. Okay, I got you. Mad Max explaining why there's no more gasoline in the world. <laughs> <laughs> but one thing I really did like about that opening scene with Kevin Bacon was the sort of reverse shot reveal of the kind of torture chamber that he has set up. I did not expect that. Oh, yeah. Jeez. I mean, we already suspected he was a bad guy because he's a, a Nazi, but that was kind of, ooh, I was half expecting to see unpleasant things happening. I mean, unpleasant Speaking things do happen, that. I guess. But <laughs> Speaking of, we had a question about that, and that was, what language should Magneto be speaking? Because if they're in Poland, why is his mom speaking German to him? That's what we were wondering. No, I don't know. We sure it was German and not Yiddish? Yes. <laughs> oh, the comics have an answer. Oh. Do they? They do. Uh, born to a middle-class German-Jewish family, fled to Poland after a Kristallnacht, and then were captured during the German invasion of Poland. So, uh, all right. Okay. Apparently born Max Eisenhart. Eric Lencher is a cover identity created by a Romanian forger. Comic books are complicated, man. What was his name? Max Ironheart? Eisenhart. Ironheart? Eisenhart. Ironheart? Eisenhart. That's too Eisenhart. Too Eisenhart. (laughs) (laughs) What? I think I think the joke Adam's missing here is that Eisen is German for iron. Oh no, I got it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just doing my own thing. Oh, I would have kept going if I knew that. I thought you were just getting actually upset. <laughs> I wasn't getting upset, and then Paul rescued it with uh, <laughs> his his meme reference. <laughs> yeah. Meme reference to a video from like the- yeah. It predates I, this movie considerably. I just never know what to call like videos like that are meme-like but aren't really memes. Uh, like, you know, oh, we watched that videos? on some video site that might not have even been YouTube. <laughs> yeah, that showed Wait, up on e-bombs. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I guess they were memes. We just didn't call them that yet. Yeah, yeah. I uh, I like Michael Fassbender and and as Magneto, I think he does a good job. I agree. The thing that actually surprised me was that there's a lot of pretty good acting going on in this movie. There is. Yeah. Yeah. Especially from Fassbender. Yeah. I, there were a couple of scenes that I was like, wow, I'm pretty impressed that, that he brought it for this. Yeah. I feel like he always brings it, though. Yeah. Yeah. He's known for that. And like, my memory is he was one of the better parts of, like, Prometheus, for instance. He was jumping ahead here. Doug, cover your ears. Mute. He's one of the best things about Dark Phoenix coming up in that, like, anytime he's on screen, the movie just, like, suddenly gets an energy that it's lacking in other moments. So, yeah, he's great. Yeah. Oh, I was surprised, too, that I I guess I intellectually knew this in the back of my mind. But, yeah, this is the start of the new cast that doesn't even end until Dark Phoenix. Yeah. I was like, this is 2011? I would have thought this was way more recent than, than that. Like, this has been going on well, for a long time. Well, you know, four movies. It's yeah. an average yeah. of about two movies a year. Yeah. A movie every two years. No, sorry. <laughs> sorry. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Math is hard. <laughs> two movies a year. That's why there are 16 X-Men movies in the new canon. <laughs> but, now that you mentioned that, you know, there was a Magneto movie in the works, I'm like, I don't know. I could have seen Magneto Nazi Hunter. For an hour and a half, maybe? Hour yeah, 45? Probably, that could yeah. have been a movie. I mean... I yeah. was kind of ready for it to become that. Like, that's really what I thought it was going to be. Apparently, uh, Xavier was going to meet him as, like, a soldier or something. And then be disillusioned by his violence. Or something like that was going to be the falling out, roughly. Oh, uh, like X-Men Origins Wolverine? <laughs> yeah, but... <laughs> exactly. But uh, it sounded like the problem was that the writer's strike happened in, like, 2007, 2008. And so by the time that was resolved, Ian McKellen had basically said, we missed our chance. I feel like I'm too old to do this now. So so we got Michael Fassbender instead. And I thought James McAvoy did a pretty good job. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Again, another guy who just brings it 
no matter what it is he's doing. Yeah. Uh, Jennifer Lawrence, I thought in this seemed pretty well engaged with the movie, yep. which will mm-hmm. not be the case for some of the later ones. <laughs> okay. It did sound like you were hedging there. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> My impression is that either before this or after this, she signed some sort of contract that required her to be in sequels. And she perhaps did not enjoy that. Actually, I think I've heard part of the problem was that she hated, hated, hated the makeup. Oh, well, yeah. Uh, Yeah. So that I think sort of colored the whole experience for her of just like, oh, my gosh. Although we did uh, get Rebecca Romaine as a cameo here. Yeah. Yeah. When she becomes older, Mystique. Oh, okay. I was like, who is that? That looks really familiar. <laughs> yeah. And then who else is in this movie? Rose Burns in this movie. Mm-hmm. As um, Myra McTaggart. Uh, January Jones is Emma Frost. Um, Nicholas Holt. Oh, yeah. Nicholas Holt uh, as Beast. Yeah. Does does pretty good job, I thought. Yeah. Yeah. Is that it? Is there anyone else? notable in this movie i mean i guess zoe kravitz is in the movie Zoe kravitz but. is in it the guy um uh caleb landry jones i think i recognize him now okay. from other things he usually plays kind of like a scumbag or creepy guy but he's the one who plays banshee here uh he's yeah. like in get mm-hmm. out and a couple other things mm-hmm. oh gotcha okay yeah i thought it was one thing i did note was that like banshee is designed to be in the comics like a fairly stereotypical irish guy uh, and by fairly, I mean extremely stereotypically Irish. <laughs> <laughs> Even to the point of drinking problems. Yeah. Not Irish-American, like Irish-Irish. But, but here he's a played by, a, you know, it feels like an American, whereas Magneto, <laughs> uh, Michael Fassbender's Irish accent, like, keeps popping through. <laughs> the scene on the beach, I especially noticed some of the Irish was coming through in that. Yeah, <laughs> I remember I was... being a little confused by that. I was like, wait, is this supposed to be happening yeah and then yeah a bunch of characters that like we basically never see again i don't know that zoe kravitz shows up again she's uh angel i'm not sure any of the villains beyond magneto and mystique show up again yeah considering they uh make a big deal about busting out emma frost at the end of the movie right (laughs) yeah and then um i think havoc alex summer shows up but i not sure he shows up in any meaningful way until Apocalypse. I don't remember if he's in Days of Future Past really at all. I can't remember ever seeing Banshee again. And then they killed Darwin, which is ludicrous. But yeah, yeah, <laughs> like that's literally his superpower is to evolve to survive anything. Like his whole origin in the comics is that he encountered a force so massive that he evolved by becoming part of the ground. So that the thing couldn't get him. And then they finally like were able to get him to sort of recollect himself as a person like 20 years later, 10 years later, however Marvel time works. So, yeah, that didn't really come across very well in the movie. I mean, he kept saying that, like, he can evolve, but I thought he was being figurative. I'm like, oh, he's the fish guy with like super tough scales. That's all I really gathered. (laughs) Yeah, it was was tough to tell what his actual thing was. I guess, yeah, I guess hmm, here I have the, the comics to lean on. So, you know, them them essentially trying to break stuff over him while he's essentially the looks like the thing, the gray thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm just like, yeah, OK, you know, he's, he's uh, super tough, you know, turned into rock. Yeah, I assume they just needed to kill the black guy. <laughs> oh it's a little bit how it felt yeah yeah, definitely. yeah no and I, I was i was really i was bummed like i was like do any of these characters really have to die like we just got to know that we you know like this doesn't really mean that much at this point in the movie you know like yeah. just didn't seem totally necessary to me yeah i guess my other problem with that scene is that i never i didn't really buy Zoe Kravitz heel turn. Yeah. Like she has the one scene of like, oh, I'd rather they stared at me when I was stripping or whatever, rather than because I'm a mutant. And so therefore I'm going to abandon all these people who have been like nice to me in favor of these people who I've seen kill a whole bunch of other people. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. For me, like that whole, that whole sequence with uh, the bad guys, attacking the cia compound and killing everyone i don't know why but i like it just didn't 
feel like it didn't feel tense. It didn't feel action packed. It just felt tedious. You know, it was like it was like the uh, like a video game. Like, okay, gonna murder every single henchman. Oh yeah, the exact same way, you know, right? By transporting yeah, right? up in the air and dropping them. Yeah, that seems like oh, a thing so, I would do. Well, in a no, video no, no, no. I, I assume he, <laughs> I assume he transported them up to different heights so that they would all hit the ground at roughly the same time. <laughs> See, I, I disagree. I think that you found that scene actually reasonably action packed and somewhat tense. What's, what's your justification for that statement? I just wanted to disagree with what you said, but disagree with the wrong bit. (laughs) (sighs) Not disagree about whether or not it was action-packed, but disagree about whether you thought it was action-packed. Well, I mean, in in any sort of normal movie, you would expect that the, the heroes would, you know, use their superpowers and at least try to fight back before all of the humans get wiped out. So... It's like, okay, so we're trying to, you know, defy your expectations by making the movie more boring than your expectations. <laughs> like that, that's, that's, that's what I thought about that whole whole section. And it was just like, oh, I couldn't wait for it to be over. I mean, I will actually disagree that I didn't find it particularly boring. Um, I found parts of it a little bit unbelievable, as I said, but I didn't have any objections to it per se as a scene so if we'd added in like a couple more scenes of all of the mutants crowded together cowering in fear that that would have been fine because because you know that there 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 really weren't enough of that (laughs) maybe just not sure where you'd put them though (laughs) (laughs) maybe next to the other ones Well, no, that's too much. You got to split it up. Maybe like. Well, I think after... I think to begin with, it was pretty much interleaved shot for shot. I guess they could have spaced the bodies dropping out a little bit more, so that we had more <laughs> powering scenes between yeah, each body. Yeah, like and... show one body drop and then cut, and another body drop, and then like go to their horrified faces, <laughs> right. even though they can't see that happening. But do that for more of it instead of having that last simul drop clearly what they needed to do was to to have the soundtrack for that scene be to the drowning pool song you know and you dennis of when he of hits that long note you know when he when he hits that long you know let the bodies hit the floor that's when you have all the bodies drop together i mean you're making a joke but you actually do sort of bring <laughs> up a point which is that this is directed by Matthew Vaughn, yet it frequently feels kind of tame for a Matthew Vaughn film. Yeah. <laughs> like, there aren't any, like, like pop songs, like, playing over, like, action sequences or anything like we've, like, we saw in Kick-Ass, like, we'll see in Kingsman movies. Yeah. Stuff like that, so. Yeah, it almost feels like either someone was reining him in or he felt like he had to be, I guess, less Matthew Vaughn about it or something. <laughs> Because it was sort of like it was when the uh, they had like the photographs that turned into the montage of Magneto and Professor X going to like recruit various mutants and stuff where it had like the lines and the splits and stuff like that. That's that was like the main moment to me that actually felt like, oh, this is a Matthew Vaughn film. Yeah. Rather than rather than like this is a hired hand film. You sure it wasn't an Ang Lee film? (laughs) That's what I was thinking. That one. Those few uh, split screen moments. Yeah, the panels. Yeah, I I like that part. I'm not trying to knock on it. Yeah, yeah. I actually like that bit. Oh, that's what I'm saying is like that was the one point where it felt to me like Matthew Vaughn, like as a director, shone through the film Ah. instead of just like, oh, this could have been anyone. S. Goyer after he properly framed his shots, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I guess the thing I was most disappointed in though was. Just Oliver Platt's unceremonious death. Like, why Why was he even in this movie? He was one of the guys who got uh, transported up in the air and dropped to the ground. Oh. You know, the guy the guy who owns the Institute or whatever that you recognize? The, uh, what's the Charlie's Angels guy? Charlie? Yeah, that's the one. <laughs> why am I supposed to recognize Oliver Platt? Uh, I guess I can look up what he's in. He's in all sorts of things. Oh, but Let me check. I don't recognize him very well. Like, he did look yeah, he kind of familiar to me, but I couldn't work out why. 
2012? Yeah. Three Musketeers? Lake Placid? No. Three Musketeers, that's the one. <laughs> the me. 93 Three yeah. Musketeers. Yeah, that's the oh, that's the one I'm thinking of. Yeah, I don't think I've seen any of the movies he's claimed to be best known yeah, for he's on Yeah, Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fargo 2014. Yeah. No, I don't see that. Yeah, I got uh, I got like nothing. Yeah, I guess he's just been in a lot of smaller movies, which makes me think that he was in bigger ones that he wasn't in. Frost Nixon, how about? Sure, I guess. I'm I'm looking at this, and I'm thinking that I probably recognize Oliver Platt from X-Men First Class. <laughs> okay. You know, there was a guy who I was like, I, I had some misidentification of an actor in this, I think, because I haven't been able to find it. But one guy in the war room, I was like, is that Raiden from Mortal Kombat? <laughs> and I looked it up and it was not. <laughs> it was a stunt double. <laughs> Ray Wise was in this for like three seconds also. Yeah. Which was kind of weird. Yeah, that was... There's just a couple of faces in there. I'm like, oh, I assumed that they would be a character. Oh, like Michael Ironside. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> or a huge <laughs> Jackman. <laughs> this is This is when he was starting to become huge and jacked, man. Yeah. <laughs> not like back in 2000 when he was Hugh, not so jacked, man. <laughs> that was probably the best part of the movie, though, was his his scene. Yeah, I, I liked it. I, it doesn't I, make a lot of sense, though. So I've I've heard. Wait, that, why, know, what does it make he, sense about? Wait, it? they didn't make any effort. They're gonna go all the way <laughs> there, walked in, <laughs> told them to go f- themselves. <laughs> <laughs> and he can read minds. Okay, okay. So I've heard that uh, for PG-13s, the the rating only allows a single F-bomb. And I don't think I've ever... sexual, I believe. Okay. And I don't think I've ever seen a better use of that than in this movie. (laughs) That's fair. Stanley is not in this movie. Apparently because uh, filming was too far away for him to attend. So he shot in like England or something. It's not because being a prequel, it would... uh, they didn't have the de-aging technology to include him yet? Yeah, because I know that consistency across all Stan Lee appearances is very crucial to everyone making Marvel movies. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I guess I have this sort of feeling that like I enjoyed watching the movie, but I'm not 100% sure I could tell you what really happened. <laughs> yeah. yeah uh, I've complained about this way back, I think, when we watched the 1990 captain america but it was a lot Wait, worse you had complaints for the 1990 <laughs> captain america movie <laughs> you gave it the second highest rating yeah you gave it six bags of popcorn <laughs> it, need, it needed more home of the brave at the end the only complaint is that they didn't roll the credits three times in a row. <laughs> it was the cutting back and forth between locations five times per minute which happens a lot especially at the beginning of the movie like now we're in washington dc and now we're somewhere else and now we're in germany and now we're in you know now we're outside of cuba and now we're in oxford see i guess that didn't bother me this time because there were reasons to follow all these characters like we sort of independently knew like oh we care about professor x and we care about moira mctaggart and we care about magneto and so i didn't really mind that they were cutting because you know, it was, you know, I had reasons to care about all the storylines. I think it's just, uh, to me, it's just weird when you notice how often that's happening. Most movies you don't, and it happens a lot. But here, I'm like, weren't we just somewhere else like 30 seconds ago? And then you see, you see the words come up at the bottom of the screen again. This is your problem. I didn't notice it. I, I'm somewhere but, in between. I don't think it would be an exaggeration to say they were at least in, or the characters were at least in 50 different locations between the start and the end of the film. Look, Charlie. Even cities. established that the guy was a teleporter. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. This he is, this is he so. could move 3,000 miles in under 10 minutes. All right. I, I don't believe you. So let's, <laughs> let's do this. Poland, Las Vegas, London. Well, I guess probably Oxford, right? Not London. CIA base. Oh, uh, upstate New York, Cuba, Russia. Langley was in there some point. Yes. A submarine off the coasts in the water. Can we count montages? Argentina. No, montages don't count. You get 
Did you get those in there, right? Oh, Argentina, Switzerland. Yeah, see. So you don't don't remember them because they were too short. (laughs) You didn't even get a quarter of the way there. (laughs) (laughs) By the way, uh, Doug, it looks like I I owe you a Coke. Charlie did not do what I thought he was going to do. (laughs) Which is? Not yet. Complain about how this movie would have been better if it hadn't had all those mutants in it. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't feel like the mutants were like, like this movie could have unfolded the same way without the mutants like they still would have shipped the missiles to cuba there still would have been an international standoff (laughs) they have to shoehorn those x-men into this movie um sometimes it did feel like this movie had what i like to call the solo problem of just like oh we need to explain everything about like these characters origins no yeah so it can't just be that Magneto has a helmet. He has to have gotten it from Sebastian Shaw. And it can't just be that Mystique is another mutant. She has to have this close relationship with Professor X that doesn't seem to show up in any of the uh, original trilogy movies. So what was going on yeah. there? And we have to see like how Professor X got crippled. So he has to wear, have a wheelchair and stuff like that. And he has to say that he can't feel his legs three times in a row. Yeah. No, 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 no. That's just pure audience hand holding. <laughs> They're doing that for your benefit, Charlie. Don't <laughs> knock it. I just by the third time he said it, like I tried to get the sensation of feeling my legs. I did that oh. too. I was like, I was what like, does it feel, feel like to feel your legs? <laughs> and I was like, uh, I guess. Oh, I was I was contemplating uh, whether it was a an incomplete or a complete transaction of the spinal cord. <laughs> I'm I, like, hmm, maybe maybe it just like hit the dorsal root or something. <laughs> Wait, no, that, no, it'd have to be like the the cord itself. <laughs> I think the worst offender in all of this too was just the insistence upon being explicit with the naming of the characters. I think we should all come up oh. with our own names, and I am going to call myself Mystique. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Boy, you're coming, like, you've suddenly turned into a blue beast. I am going to call you Beast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's like, uh, like this. Uh, I feel like so often the dialogue just gets in the way in this movie. Like like I said, that whole that whole section was very tedious. See, I, I that think that section would have been fine if this if we had launched into a full-on, like, you know, if they had stayed all together and it was just like some big, big cheese fest. But, uh, wait, what? I don't know. Well, like cheesecake. No, I just, I mean, like, if it was. So, so not like the Rose Byrne scene early in the movie in the club? <laughs> no, that's, that's not what I mean. But it, hey, it would be fine that, if it was that, that too. Look, no complaints that, there. That scene gave me a reason to care about her character. Yeah, you actually <laughs> see. Some personality there, right? And She's uh, to take her clothes off for the for her duty, mm-hmm. even though uh, '60s America is very sexist. <laughs> yeah, I kept thinking about that. I was like, "Oh, is this is one of those movies where it's like they just rely on it being in the past to throw that sort of thing in there." You know, it's like, I "Well, do- you know, it's like the time." It's like, "Well, you know, okay." I do think some of it, it was <laughs> deliberate, right? Like. Where like Kevin Bacon's a dick to January Jones, that right? Was, yeah, that was rough. But the movie tries to have it both ways. It's like, well, we're gonna, you know, say that he's being a dick by acting that way to her. But every single female character at some point is going to be taking off her clothes. <laughs> like every single one was like in either a skimpy outfit or taking off their clothes at some point. Huh. Hmm. <laughs> I know. Yeah, at the end of the movie, I thought back, and I'm like, "Yep." So, I guess this really is a Matthew Vaughn oh, film, so. huh? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and especially with Rose Byrne, is probably the... <laughs> <laughs> Rose Byrne is clearly the character who least has any plot point for that. But they get that out of the way immediately. Well, I had to have her infiltrate the, the... show that she's good at being a spy. Yeah, but she's willing to just you know step in. She'll go the yeah yeah the 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 distance. Uh, you know, she'll go for speed. <laughs> 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 
<laughs> so that that's not what I meant by uh, cheese fest. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but I'm glad we brought it up. But, yeah, but I'm glad we yeah I'm glad we covered that. Covered it by talking about the uncovered. Yeah, I was just contemplating that myself. It's like, hmm. Anyway, so what did you mean by the cheese fest then? Oh, I guess I just meant like at a certain point, like some of those scenes when they were all together, you know, coming up with their names and all that. I was like, okay, this is gonna turn into like like a cheesy teen action movie or whatever, which it it didn't really. But you know, like I, I said, they defied I was, my expectations. I was prepared for that, <laughs> and I and way. I wasn't even that mad. I was getting ready for it. Like the first twenty minutes, pretty much any dialogue that Professor X delivers, it, it seems to be the the screenwriter d- saying, "Okay, we need this dialogue to serve two purposes. We need to deliver a whole bunch of exposition to the viewer, and we need to make Professor X seem like as big of an awkward dork as possible." <laughs> yeah, Perfect. That's, what's the problem? Sounds right to me. Mm, it doesn't jive with the suave Patrick Stewart I know and love. Oh, Matthew Vaughn did, did do Stardust. I always forget he directed Stardust. It's Stardust. The uh, Neil Gaiman. The movie that Charlie Cox was known for before becoming Daredevil. Oh, guess I guess that one passed me by. Pretty sure that was a date movie for Brian and me. Oh, so consequently you don't remember anything from it either? Uh, I remember it being fine, but I don't remember it being particularly Matthew vaughn So. You cut everything except this Stardust <laughs> conversation. <laughs> I will say, though, the one thing I, even though the 60s thing was sort of leaning into the sexism thing, I did like the fact that they sort of embraced the 60s-ness of it, rather than just being one of these movies where they're like, oh, it's 1962, because that's the year that it has to be for the you know story to make sense with regard to the other movies but we're not really going to do anything with that or you know if this has to be set in you know such and such time period so that it gel it you know matches up with all the other stuff but then we're going to constantly include details that don't make sense for that particular time period and basically what i'm saying is when the is legion supposed to be set <laughs> that came out of left field charlie only, i, I can, can you handle season, this one i, I don't through season one and i'm not even all the way through it but like everyone's I, dressed like it's like late 60s early 70s and i was like okay and then they made some sort of reference in like episode three where i was like huh i guess this is like late 70s and then the the dream scape guy whose name i don't remember right like he's talking about like his memory of his mother singing 99 loof balloons i'm like i don't understand when this show is supposed to be happening yeah i don't for the longest time i thought of like well this kind of seems like the 90s based on the fact that there's no cell phone technology and maybe these people just have this certain that it's just the aesthetic so you're right it's like 60s 70s and i think in the third season it's maybe not def- directly answered but kind of i don't know i'd like to discuss that more with you as as you get farther on in it like there's plot points i don't want to reveal that would i guess kind of throws more wrenches into it does it need to be consistent no i don't think it does do you um, you need that from your entertainment uh i mean i guess because i'm trying to fit it into the larger x-men thing although as of episode six think yeah i'm up through six i got two left of the first season uh they still haven't established that he's professor x's kid although um uh holy crap why can't i think of her name brain damage yeah this is embarrassing um the character or the actress character uh what no 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 um um april uh april from um, parks and rec yeah yeah uh aubrey plaza no, I know that. I was trying to remember uh, her name Lenny. in Parks and Rec. Oh, in no, Parks and Rec. I know that. I was trying to remember her character's name in Parks and Rec. It's oh, and you got it. It took me a okay. while to get there. Yes. <laughs> so, so this... She, so mentions, this isn't a, she mentioned something about, um, I knew your real father or something like that. And I'm like, just say the name! They didn't say it. <laughs> I was like, this so this is crap. I'm only giving this five bags of popcorn. <laughs> so this is an incidental complaint. This isn't like... Uh, a consistent problem you have with media 
No, no, no. This you, is just... you don't sit down to watch the abominable Dr. Fibes and be like, I can't understand what decade this is supposed to be set in. Is that not just present day? I guess I just always assumed that was present day. No, that was actually supposed to be in like the 30s, I think. Oh, okay. That makes sense of the aesthetic. All right. Yeah, but a lot of the stuff was like technology that didn't exist yet. So uh, that doesn't necessarily bother in, in style it's, as well. It's Some more style. Like, it's more like uh, when you're doing fashions and clothing that aren't just contemporary because you just pulled something off the shelf, right? Like you're trying to do something retro, but then the retro doesn't quite make sense. Mm. Okay. okay. Anyway, anyway, back to. I do notice these things sometimes. Back to our regularly scheduled programming. Like, like I remember in the movie Apollo 13. Again, make sure you cut everything except Stardust and this comment right here. (laughs) (laughs) In Apollo 13, I think it's Jim Lovell's daughter, is upset that the Beatles have broken up. And so she throws her records away into like the trash can. And the top one is Let It Be, which was not released at the time that the Beatles broke up. And I was like, that's an anachronism. This whole movie doesn't make sense. (laughs) No, it's, it's just proof that the moon landings were faked. But they didn't land on the moon. That's the whole point of Apollo Exactly. Exactly. Wait, exactly what? If you're going to enter conspiracy corner, you got to actually lay out the conspiracy. <laughs> they're, they're pointing out the lies. Oh, I see. That's a deliberate inconsistency to, to prove that, that this dramatization of a alleged real-life event didn't occur, and that's Ron Howard's clue that it didn't occur am i tracking this properly it didn't occur but it's it's too dangerous to just let it be that's the message (laughs) see see don't don't question the moon landing gotcha all right (laughs) do you see this thing all right we're completely off topic now but (laughs) this is gonna be an epstein proof did you see this thing where this guy was um he's like photographs like um space artifacts um so like spacesuits, moon rovers, rockets, that kind of stuff. Stuff that NASA's used in the space program. He, like, you know, photographs them. He's, like, you know, gotten special permission from NASA to photograph them against, like, white backgrounds so you can sort of see, like, this is what the moon rover, like, looked like. This is what the spacesuits kind of looked like. Details, stuff like that. He'd been doing this for some time um, as a sort of a personal project, and then he realized he needed more money to finish doing it. So he said, hey, I'll make a book and I'll put it on Kickstarter and then people can fund the Kickstarter. And if we make it, I'll have enough money to finish the photographs and then also make the books. And so he took out like an advertisement on Facebook and Facebook kept flagging the advertisement for the Kickstarter as uh, like violating terms of service or something like that. And as far as anyone can tell, it's because that – Flat Earthers were apparently flagging it as like this is like this is a lie. Oh my god! <laughs> wow. And apparently, it was like fortunately he knew someone who knew someone who worked at Facebook, and so they were able to like stop the aut- Facebook's automatic like after X number of complaints, <laughs> it just takes it down automatically. Oh, put but, it on a white list or something. Yeah, but. Yep, that's my story. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, uh, I did appreciate that when they were in the nuclear reactor room, the the light coming from the reactor was blue. Mm -hmm. Charlie? Yeah. Did you also enjoy the good old Cherenkov radiation? I think I was mostly wondering what all the mirrors were for. To reflect the radiation back to the core. Come on. Basic physics, Charlie. (laughs) Yeah, come on. It's radiation. Mirrors are intended to reflect radiation. (laughs) I did like uh, Sebastian (laughs) Shaw's, um, like the way they represented him using his absorbing powers of just like the, the like multiple faces, limbs moving super fast at once sort of effect. I thought that was really well done. Yeah, I think across, I mean, I think that was the highlight, but across the board, I, th- I think the powers are done pretty well in this movie. Maybe mm-hmm. not. Yeah. I, I'm not sure I loved Emma Frost's diamond form. I didn't know right, that. I, I didn't really care for Zoe Kravitz's wings. Hmm, yeah. Like that never quite looked right to me. I'm not sure why. They just weren't uh, Watto enough. 
<laughs> Needed some nice leathery ones, you're saying? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I know she got singed, but I assume that they'll grow back the next time she molts, right? That's how that works? We'll never know. I don't think she shows up again. No? I don't think she's in any of the later movies, is she? Oh. Mm. Right? Like, I think she's probably too busy, like, filming um, After Earth and Divergent. That's kind of depressing. She's in Mad Max Fury Road. That's probably actually the other main Okay, thing there you go. There's there's a there's a good movie. Overall, I thought the CGI was pretty good. There wasn't yeah. much that I found fault with besides I think Beast's face was a little bit weird. I don't know yeah. if it was the fur physics or the eyes. Like maybe the yeah, some- practical stuff just didn't work that well and they had to paint over it i don't know i mean maybe it was because i was watching this on dvd instead of blu-ray but i generally got the feeling that the cgi felt representative for its time like it wasn't generally wasn't terrible but it also wasn't really really good yeah sure it, it was it was such that all, most of most of the time you look at it and you're like yeah i think that's cgi something looks just a little bit off mm. shot composition wise I kind of enjoyed this movie. I thought Matthew Vaughn was actually putting in a pretty good effort to think about the way he was shooting things. Like I liked the shot of uh, the coin going through Kevin Bacon's head matched with professor X, like in the uh, sort of an agony, like as he's being killed. I thought that was pretty neat. And again, that shot Mm -hmm. back at the beginning of the, the reverse shot where you see the torture chamber was kind of like, Oh, it's pretty interesting set. I liked the, I liked all the montages montage i like the training montage besides you know professor x being a little bit over explainy i guess we're showing him becoming a professor so it's kind of his montage too but yeah no overall it was, it was, it was visually very pleasing oh good yeah 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 i think so too so ultimately what'd you think of this movie would you uh would you try and save it from dying in nuclear hellfire or would you just let the cleansing radiation create a batch of brand new mutants and let all the mutants live because they're <laughs> resistant to radiation. I, I don't understand this rating scale. It doesn't appear to go in terms of integers or partial. Like it doesn't, I, I can't count it properly. It's just countable properly. The world is nuked or not. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I need, I need something like vials of EDTA. Yeah. In other words, what are you asking Adam? <laughs> I guess I'm just asking. How many, how many mutant recruits would you out of ten would you give it? Oh, that's a that's a thought. Uh, I was also I also would have considered how many missile crises would you give this movie, <laughs> <laughs> or how many times would you tell this movie to go <laughs> yourself? Is it, hey, hey, language. Is it how how many missiles crisis? <laughs> <laughs> No, it is not. <laughs> I guess we'll let Charlie start and he can pick his favorite or a new one if he has one. Yeah, so I find that this one's actually a little bit difficult to rate because even now my rating is changing. I really hated it this morning when I finished up really? watching it. Yeah, I really? did. And I think the reason is because I, I, I hated the dialogue. I just think it didn't give the audience any credit like ever it just went was too explaining and there were times where i just wished there was even not different dialogue but just less like you have such fantastic actors in the movie doing actually a really good job so just having to listen to them say some of the things that they had to say there was and this really got to me there's a moment where magneto has cornered kevin bacon in the nuclear reactor and kevin bacon says something on the lines of i'm sorry about the camps but and then goes on to say, like, but, you know, we've I, I've taught you so much. <laughs> like, I'm sorry about the camps. It's yeah, like, the what? concentration camps. <laughs> it's, what's the problem here? Yeah, I don't know what's the problem there. He's a monster. <laughs> he was just using the Nazis for his own purposes. <laughs> right. It's just the most bizarre line, like, understated line <laughs> ever. <laughs> but if we could forget about that okay. for a moment. <laughs> Fine. But then as... 
my remembrance of the dialogue faded over the course of the day. I just remembered the things I actually did like about it. Like, I thought it was fun. I liked the I liked the different mutants and characters we got to meet. And I thought a lot of the shots were really well composed. And I'm kind of, kind of excited to see what X-Men movies come next, even though I know from what I've heard, it doesn't end up very well. Um, no, but the next one's pretty good, from my memory of it. Is it? Okay, good, good. Yes. Actually, the next two, depending on how you want to count X-Men movies. So just the negative things have, are fading pretty quickly from my mind. Maybe Professor X is, is making it so. Uh, I will mm. give is this... Is that a Patrick Stewart joke? <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't supposed to be, but it just came out. <laughs> uh, I'm going to give this a 6.5 out of 10 m- missiles crisis. <laughs> <laughs> you make it sound like a video game <laughs> missiles crisis i also really like the costumes specifically the x-men suits in this one compared to like the black leather we got in previous entries just the the sort of yellow pop in there it was nice did so you lose on me again? par with ghost rider for you yeah i mean it was ghost rider was fun this was fun okay oh and then yeah it lost at least a point, I think, just for just what we were talking about with the female characters, where they all took their clothes off. And if you actually sit to think about it, those were the only female characters in the movie. All young, attractive women who take their clothes off at some point. I'm like, I know that's the time period, but that's not when we made the movie. Yeah. We made the movie in 2011. Yeah. 2011 man. Char- Charlie, <laughs> you're making me feel skeezy for enjoying this movie. No, that's fine. <laughs> so what's the half of a missiles crisis? <laughs> It's it's where it's where only one side launches a bunch of missiles. There's no return fire from the other side. <laughs> so only half the world is wiped out. So so Charlie is pro nuclear hellfire. Ultimately. <laughs> yeah, on the whole. Uh I enjoyed the movie. You know, I was certainly entertained sitting there watching it. I was a little worried going into it that it was going to be like hardcore solo style. And again, just to make it clear what I mean by that is like where you have to explain every single thing about a character in a prequel, like, oh, his name's Han Solo because some random Imperial Guard gave him the last name Solo because he didn't have a last name or whatever the hell is going on there. Or this is how the Millennium Falcon came along. Or this is why we explain how the Kessel run in less than 12 parsecs. Like, oh, that's not a mistake. That makes sense because we've had this whole elaborate. Yeah, anyway, you know what I mean? And it happened a couple times with like Magneto's helmet and like, oh, Mystique just happens to know Professor X. But I actually thought a lot of the other potential solo elements were handled so that they felt more organic. Like the feeling of how professor x and magneto first came to meet each other and stuff like that i thought was pretty well handled so that said um while i enjoyed it it did feel kind of i don't know if i want to say workmanlike but like it's it's not super flashy like there's not a lot of moments where you're just like oh wow i'm watching a really stylistic movie um so that was so it's kind of disappointing that and then again like although i can sort of sketch the general arc of the story I'm not really convinced I could fill in the details all that well, even though I only saw it like two hours ago. (laughs) So I guess just putting all that on balance, um, I think overall it's a pretty entertaining movie. It's got some problems, but they don't outweigh the negatives don't outweigh the positives. So I'll just give this seven missiles crises. What? (laughs) Seven (laughs) missiles crises. Eh, Whatever. Seven out of 10. One one missiles crisis for every day of the week. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I mean, I certainly enjoyed uh, the acting. I didn't really have any complaints on that uh, aspect. Um, special effects, I said, were you know of the time. It would it would be a much better feeling movie if that whole tedious midsection part had been cut down. Like maybe cut down the movie till it's under two hours and. Like, I don't know, it just really needed to be tightened up in the middle, I think. So I'm uh, going to give this seven recruited henchmen out of ten. <laughs> no, no, Charlie already established. It's Missile's Crisis. Is, is, 
<laughs> I thought it was, was it's missiles crisis, right? <laughs> no, I'm just mixing all the seven recruited henchmen out of ten. The other three refused to join. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but I don't understand how that translates to missiles crisis. <laughs> <laughs> Like how many henchmen per crisis? All right, I guess Paul. How many recruited henchmen? <laughs> <laughs> recruited henchman. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, I I overall I enjoyed this movie. I think in some ways I agree with Adam in that it's like I kind of have a hard time drawing it all together in my mind, but you know, all I enjoyed watching you know the various cool scenes it ran a little little bit long for my taste but it was fun to watch the effects were good good performances all around i'd say so i'm gonna go ahead and i'm in a tough spot right now ratings wise so i'm gonna give it mm, seven uh missiles crisis out of 10 missiles crisis <laughs> at, at the risk of sounding like a, a broken record with to you, you guys but you just love uh, saying and missiles crisis <laughs> yeah um i'm gonna re-rate i'm gonna bump this up 7.5 um mainly because i'm just looking at my other x-men ratings and uh I gave X-Men Origins Wolverine a 6.5, and I think this is probably a full point ahead of that. So I'm going to move this up 7.5 as a result. And also because I gave Blade 2 a 7, and I think I like this better than Blade 2. I mean, that does put it on the same level of Thor as Thor. I don't know if that's right, but that's what I got, so that's what I'm working with here. Yeah, it's we're going to have to... Break out the hundredths. At, yeah, at the at the end of the March, we'll, we'll blow the whole thing up and start just ranking them first to last right five bags of popcorn no i think we gotta go last to first so it's like a a top 200 countdown because <laughs> i assume that's how many there will be by the time we're done yeah <laughs> yeah when, once when they're released start in... this uh right after trump was elected so dr strange yeah about something like that yeah 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 so we've had like what 15 since then ish but they're gonna slow down a little bit because Fox got absorbed by Disney, mm. by the Disney gestalt. So, so, so we're not going to have the rate of we do two podcasts. They release one new movie. <laughs> uh, there was a while there where for every Marvel episode we released, a new movie came out because <laughs> Endgame came out in end of April, beginning of May. Dark Phoenix was June. Men in Black International was June. Spider-Man Far From Home was July. So, yeah. Can't wait to get to Men in Black International. <laughs> oh, that one counts for the uh, for the it's a Men in Black movie. Okay, okay. Kind of looking well, forward to Men well, in Black three because I haven't seen it. It's well, doesn't don't the Kingsman sequel and prequel not count for some reason? Uh, so that is because the rights shifted to Image in between, but Men in Black is still owned by Marvel. Okay, Kingsman was a uh, an icon, which okay. is yeah. Marvel's creator's owned imprint. So Mark Miller went to uh, Image, yeah, shortly before, uh, like I think the week before the Kingsman sequel came out, the first issue of the Image Kingsman book came out. So, oh okay, so that's why that one doesn't count. Although I guess we could discuss it if we really wanted to. It could be like the second appendix movie after we do all the Marvel movies. Oh, so we'll have to do the prequel as the third appendix movie. Yeah, and I assume the first okay. appendix is uh, Red Sonia. Ah, uh, okay. Anyway, thanks so much, everyone, for listening to us chat about Stardust and Legion, <laughs> and, and I assume nothing else. <laughs> well, Apollo, Apollo 13. 13. Yeah. Ah, uh, yes. I'm Adam Govaski. And I'm Charlie Wallace. Uh, I believe next Merry Marvel Movie March will be our 34th installment with Captain America, the first Avenger. Uh no, we're going to skip that one. We're going to skip it? <laughs> yeah, we're going to go straight to Ghost Rider 2. Oh, no. <laughs> I'm kidding. We won't skip it. <laughs> and a very special thanks to our two uh, 
Second class. No, they're first class. Business class. Business class. Yes. <laughs> Executive class guests. Doug Gobeski. Diamond medallion. Uh, <laughs> economy plus guests. Yeah. <laughs> With the extra leg room. <laughs> and a shout out to our guests in steerage. <laughs> hey, I'm going to be in steerage in a couple weeks. <laughs> Except they called it basic economy. Ah. <laughs> so I don't get to choose my seat. And I think I'm in like the last boarding group or something. But it's a direct flight. So whatever. Oh. Well, those guests were uh, Doug Gobeski. A pleasure, as always. And Paul Wilcox. Thanks for having me on. So tune in. I guess you're not really tuning into a podcast, but click. I mean, really, click. everything's all tuning when you think about it. Well, I mean, our ultimate goal was to uh, become so popular that they would license us for for radio. So maybe they are tuning in. (laughs) This is Public Radio International, maybe. (laughs) (laughs) So thanks for binarily tuning in by either clicking or not clicking. Um, And we hope you uh, have a good missiles crisis. (laughs) That sounds ominous. (laughs) (laughs) that's our show don't forget you can check us out on facebook just like the gobeski wallace report and you can also follow us on twitter at gw report and check out our website the gobeski that's probably the important bit well yeah i guess all the other links are there so if you remember (laughs) one thing remember that not your name but gobeski wallace (laughs) more important than your name Any candy in my apartment right <laughs> That's now. right. You were lamenting that earlier. Me crazy. Is there a vending machine no here? No candy, part? no pop. I don't know what to do with myself. No pop. Yeah, wow. not a pop. I, I oh. finished my flat two liter. I'm also How are up. you still with us? I don't know. I feel myself withering. <laughs> I'm just going to have to order some delivery while we're recording. Postmates, but it's just a bag of candy. That is what was, Go Puff is for. I was thinking more Domino's, but just the two liter. <laughs> <laughs> I, I would love to. I'd love to call that in on the phone. <laughs> I think there's probably a minimum order. Well, you just gotta get enough of them. <laughs> I like five two liters, please. Five two liters just, and a side of garlic sauce. Bring me eight <laughs> if it's e- <laughs> if it's easier. Oh.